0: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the things that my father did every spring was to trim the trees in our orchards. It had to be done in order to allow the fruit trees to fully bloom and to bear fruit. But it was an awful chore that left the trees looking like they'd been hacked by a child running wild with a pair of scissors. I remember helping dad with that chore each year. It took hours and hours of tedious work and left our shoulders and arms aching and our fingers covered in scratches and cuts. No glove was fully effective in providing protection in that delicate work. When the task was completed, our orchards looked truly pitiful. The apple, pear, and cherry trees looked like prickly skeletons rising out of the earth against the gray skies of early spring. We gathered the prune branches and burned them in a bonfire. It was an awful task, but it was a necessary one. It helped to strengthen the trees and boost their yields. As the warmer days of spring arrived, the trees budded and filled with leaves and bloomed, and then began to produce fruit once more. By late summer, they were stronger and ready for another winter. Pruning is essential to most fruit-growing trees or vines. Jesus knew that, having grown up in a culture where olives and figs and grapes were among the most important crops raised. Nearly every village had orchards, groves, and vineyards to ensure the nourishment necessary for the community. Jesus would have undoubtedly helped with the tasks of pruning those trees and vines his hearers would have as well, which is why the imagery made so much sense to them. Now this section of John's Gospel, this middle section of three chapters that have often been called the Trinitarian spine of the Gospel. Chapter 14, just before this, describes the work of God the parent and how Jesus offers unique access to the parent. And the following chapter offers a vision of the Holy Spirit and its mystical and mysterious work among us. This chapter, though, offers us a vision of Jesus as the one who comes from the parent, teaching us to love each other and the world around us, and how to endure the hardships of this world and overcome them through the power of the Holy Spirit who is poured out upon us. In the midst of it, Jesus uses this beautiful analogy of a vine and branches and fruit to illustrate our relationship to him and the work he has begun. Jesus is the vine who connects us to the parent, the source of all love and strength, the one who wills the reconciliation and redemption of the world. We are the branches that reach out into the world, sharing the strength and love that we have found in God, with those around us, and with the whole world. There is this bit of warning, though, in the image that Jesus paints. It's a reminder that we need to stay connected to the vine, to abide in Jesus, the one who is our connection to the eternal and everlasting one. Jesus reminds disciples that apart from the strength that comes from God, we struggle to grow in our courage and love. This may seem strange, but it's a reminder of the importance of community and relationships in the life of discipleship. All that we are able to do is because of our connection to God and to each other. Life can be frustrating, especially when we share it together in community. No one knows quite how to press our buttons like those we love. Over the last year, all of us have learned that lesson in exceedingly interesting ways. It's easy to get frustrated and walk away, but Jesus reminds us that those relationships that bind us together are the source of our strength and the well of love from which we find the courage to live as disciples in this world. And then there's this note about pruning. Just as those fruit-bearing trees and vines need to be pruned to strengthen them and increase their yields, so God prunes us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't so much a warning about individuals being excised from the community as much as it is about the pruning of lives, both individually and corporately. Jesus knows that the disciples have been undergoing that process through his teaching, they have been made better and stronger and more faithful disciples through that relationship. Some things have been excised from their lives, and others have been grafted into their lives. All of it has made them better people. Theologian Bruce Eppertly writes, Pruning enhances the growth of a tree not only by eliminating extraneous branches, but also by enabling light to shine on those that remain. In this I am passage, Jesus proclaims that I am the vine and you are the branches. Those branches that abide in Christ and that remain connected to the vine will flourish and bear much fruit, while those that are disconnected from the vine will wither and die. Flourishing and withering are not a matter of rewards and punishments, but the result of our commitment to nurture our own spiritual lives and the spiritual lives of others. Our commitment to spiritual formation may lead to political action, since the spirit may wither and die as a result of the impact of poverty or substandard education or dysfunctional family life or all kinds of social injustice. There's an interesting connection here to the story from Acts. The person from Ethiopia, a eunuch, represented those who were excluded from the faith of Israel due to their identity. Eunuchs were considered ethically impure because they didn't conform to the standards of the community. They were not allowed to be full members of the household of faith. They were literally cut off. The prophets railed against this exclusion and looked forward to the day when all who had been excluded would be fully welcomed into the family of God. This person's Vibrant, passionate faith and baptism mark the overturning of those rules about purity. God is here pruning the community of faith emerging from the ministry of Jesus. No longer will anyone be excluded, but all who trust in Jesus and sincerely desire to follow the risen Christ will be fully welcomed and included. The last 14 months of this pandemic have been a period of pruning for us, both individually and as the church. Now, it's not to say that God caused this pandemic or allowed it to happen, but rather that God is working through this awful tragedy to strengthen us and make us better people. We have been forced to reevaluate what is truly important in our lives both individually and collectively. Things that seemed so essential just a year ago now seem, well, less essential, sometimes pointless or antiquated. Other things that we took for granted have become so central to our lives that we just couldn't have imagined that being the case before the pandemic. This time, as anxious and isolating and frustrating and painful as it's been, has given us the opportunity to reevaluate the way that we live. Before all of this, it was just far too easy to go through the notions every day and not think too much about how or why we did things. Now, with the normal routine of the life we knew before the pandemic gone forever we have a real chance to make the changes necessary to live more faithful and fulfilling lives, both individually and as a church. The author of First John reminds us of the criteria necessary for the task of pruning that is before us. Does something help us love more deeply? Does it bring us greater courage in the struggle for a more just, equitable, and sustainable world. If not, then perhaps it's time to let it go. Love is the ultimate measure of the worth of anything and everything in our lives. When Jesus invites us to abide in him, he's asking us to keep our focus fully and completely on love. The strength and courage necessary to bring healing and wholeness to the world flow forth from love. In fact, that's the only place from which they can or will come. Amen.